Hey, missionaries, we want to invite you February 27th, 2020. The Michelle Mission is doing a live event. We're doing our 200th episode and we are reviewing Shaft, which will be followed by a 70s soundtrack Soul Train dance party DJed by international DJ himself, Scheme Richards. It all takes place at World Cafe Live here in Philadelphia. Tickets are on sale at bshowmission.com or worldcafelive.com. Right now, get them, drink specials, having fun, come dressed in the 70s. I got my bell bottoms. I bought Vincent Afro <laughs> with mutton chops. There you go. We're going to have a ball. That's right. See you there. Welcome to another stop on the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I'm joined by, as always... Hey, what's up? I'm Richard Boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. Going into 2020, Happy New Year, missionaries! Yeah, this isn't our first show of the 2020, but it feels like it is, because it's our return. It's, it's our return. Yeah. It's our return. Happy to be here. How are you, Lynn? I am doing very well. Vincent. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, too. Yes, bro. yes. 2020. Oh, sucking it. We are in the future. I don't know how many of these science fiction future years are left. I know this is the Akira year. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, this is a Neo Tokyo. Neo Tokyo <laughs> 2020. And that's when Akira starts. So I was thinking about joining a Japanese street gang. Mm. Mm. Japanese street gang. And we have motorcycles. Motorcycles with swords. Motorcycles with swords. <laughs> okay. All right. No. No. What was that Mike Douglas? Kanita! Tetsuo! You know what? I can't get through Akira. Really? It's good. It's I love great, Akira. But it's, it's a little slow. It, I mean, it is. It is. It slow. is. It is. I don't even really like anime. That's the funny thing. I don't really. I don't even really like not like not. I mean, you know, like as, like just, as a form, right? I obviously I appreciate it. I appreciate it, but I can count maybe one hand the anime that I really, really dig. Really, yeah. one hand, Akira. It's like Akira. <laughs> like I'm already coming. <laughs> Sure. There was a joint. What was the name of the joint? Um, Spirited Away. You know what? What's 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 my man's name? Uh, Miyazaki. Miyazaki. I don't. I don't. It, I don't. You don't get it. I don't get. Let, let me just say this. I don't know if I've watched enough to get it. Like I've okay. started Spirited Away. I've started Kiki's. Oh, uh, delivery delivery service. service. And there was a third one that I started. Mm-hmm. What was the Princess one? Mononoke. Princess Mononoke. I started Princess Mononoke. You know what I did like? What was it Steam Boy? Steam Boy is cool. Steam Boy cool. is cool, but Steam Boy does doesn't hit me like an anime. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I see I see what you're saying. But uh say 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 my man's name. Miyazaki. Miyazaki, I don't I haven't quite and I think it might be my fault. Like, I haven't really engaged. Okay. Because Princess Mononoke is, that's some good Look, stuff. Look, man, that's what everybody says, but but I'm just not an anime. What was the name of that joint that came out like 10 years ago? And it was almost like Dreamscape. Like, she, it was, a, it was the, 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 the main character. She was going in and out of dreams. Hmm. I, I'm not sure. If I and know. then you ever see a joint called Redline? No, I've heard of that. I like Redline. I've heard of it. I like Redline, but yeah, I'm not a, I'm I'm just not a big anime. I, I'm just not. And wow, I'm not a huge anime fan, but I, because of you know Black Tribbles and everything, right, right, you, some you more see of more it. than yeah. And um, there's a quite a few I've seen that I like. Like I love Miyazaki. I love yeah. I don't think that it, he does. I, I don't. I think I, I need. To, I think I need to just sit down and watch some Miyazaki. Like just sit down and 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 commit to it. 
because like I said, the few times I've seen it, I've gotten distracted. Okay. Yeah, I can see that happening. But I love some Akira. I see, I can't. Akira and Ghost in the Shell. They... I don't like Ghost in the Shell. Okay. Now, I actually don't like Ghost in the Shell. Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, I like the idea of Ghost in the Shell, but yeah, it's like, sure. just way too slow. Yeah, but, but I need violence. Oh, yeah, but Neo Tokyo 2020. <laughs> that's my jam right there. I need violence in my anime, like Fist of the North Star. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like that dude, uh, it's just bloody. Yeah. But welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> oh, yeah, we on the same bull. Bruh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I guess 2020, we've gotten that out of the way. We've gotten it out of our system. Let's sit so in there like five minutes. Like, in. how long are they going to sit and talk about anime? <laughs> like, how long are they going to sit there and talk about anime? Now, he said he didn't like it, and yet he's still talking about it. I swear these two just need to go out and have some coffee and talk about all this stuff. I wish they would have this coffee and then start the show. And then start the show. (laughs) See, y'all don't know. We actually start talking (laughs) when we see each other and then just start recording. So we got to ramp up. We got to record to the actual. Right. All right, let's do the show now. And frankly, you're one of the few people that can appreciate. Who wants you going to talk about? Neo Tokyo 2020. <laughs> Actually made my wife and daughter sit down and watch Akira. That was an interesting. Akira, ooh. pretty rapey. Yeah, man. Yeah, Akira's. Like, dude, I forgot. It was like, I thought it was just motorcycles. Oh, so what'd you do? Like, cover? I mean, no, I, we watched it. And my daughter liked it. Oh, but, yeah, but it was, yeah. yeah, you know, it was, but it was like, ooh, I didn't. Yeah, man. I forgot. But, but yeah. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. Mm. All right. Parenting in your house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yes, 2020. We've been away for a while. We've got we a few uh, messages from our listeners. Yeah. Hey, missionaries. We heard from Patra M. Hey, Patra. And she goes on the internets. I've come across your podcast in September, and I'm catching up as fast as I can. Excellent. I Welcome. love your dynamics and how you make me laugh with you. I also love, well, this is a good one. I also love how one starts singing and the other one jumps in. I would, <laughs> I would usually be me. That would usually be me, Len, Patra, just to give you a heads up. Uh, your podcast is so insightful on black American cinema, and I appreciate how you always contextualize or remind us that you speak from one specific point of view. Although you sometimes destroy some of my childhood memories, sorry, such as Sister Act and House Party, yeah, yeah. but I cannot argue with most of your arguments. Now, I must say, I was always wondering why you chose every black film ever made as a tagline when you focus just on y- U.S. cinema. Fair. As someone from the uh, Caribbean, I was not surprised, but still a bit intrigued because your arguments are always so nuanced and inclusive. But I recently listened to an old episode and you guys did mention the reasoning behind the tagline and why you wouldn't be comfortable talking about black films from other cultures. And I can only respect the respect you show no doubt. when mainstream media doesn't. No doubt. I'm from Guadalupe, a small French island in the Caribbean. I've been living in Paris for nearly 15 years now, and I've decided to start my own podcast on Caribbean cinema, Caracurament. Uh, oh, I hope fantastic. I'm pronouncing that correctly. There's a French version and the English version. It's most of your, in most of your early episodes, you say to contact you if interested in a collaboration. Yes. I humbly propose to do so. Although I don't know how the logistics would work. We'll make it work, Patrick. Yes, yes. That's fantastic. Based on the episodes I've listened to and what I think you'd enjoy, I suggest reviewing a Caribbean film I've already reviewed on my own, Battle Dream Chronicles. Wow. Um, it's a animated sci-fi film from Martinique. Oh, or Rain, a coming-of-age film from the Bahamas, which features CCH Pounder as one of the lead roles. I was about to say, I've heard of Rain. And in, in a cameo, and possibly his last time on film, Calvin Lockhart. Oh. 
Well, well, that's that's money in the bank right there. Yeah, that's done. Yeah, <laughs> done. Okay, that is all. Thank you for reading this email. And as I was recently listening to the Baby Boy review, <laughs> I want to <laughs> glutton for punishment. Are you there, Patra? Anyway, uh, I want to suggest you got served as the kind of bad movie that is so bad that it makes you feel good. And I say this as a B2K fan. This movie was not it. Have a blessed day, Patra M. Hey, thank you, Patra. Thank you. And absolutely, we're always up for collaboration. So we'll talk. We will definitely talk. That was that was a great email. Yeah. <laughs> That was crazy. That was absolutely nuts. All right. So we also heard on Facebook. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Group is popping. The group is popping. But we got a message from Laura Singer Walters. Hey, Laura. Hello. I wanted to write to you because I am the DJ. Okay. That follows your broadcast on WKDU, 91.7 FM in Philadelphia. Excellent. Although my music may not offer much crossover with your listeners, I very much enjoy your podcast. Thank you. I taught high school art in Center City at an urban school, and I always tried to bring films by directors of color that told stories that my students could relate to and help frame their narratives as young people and -and up-and-coming artists Thank you for all you do, and I wish you both a very happy new year. Thank you. Laura Walters, DJ Rue. All right. Who can be heard Mondays 10 to 12 on WKDU 91.7 FM. Oh, I actually like her show. Do you? Yeah, you're kind of nice. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I, yeah. So so thank you. Thank you, and 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 happy new year, neighbor. Very much happy. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Goodnight asked the question. Hey, what's up, Christopher? Is, and I've seen this question come up before. Is the old uh, WB mascot Michigan J. Frog, is he considered racist? I've heard people say that. According to Christopher, one podcast he listened to posits that he is racist, but he couldn't find anything about it on the web. Right, right. So there's not a clear answer anyways. I don't know. What's the argument for Michigan Well, be- Because he, he basically does the... Um, like the cake it's the Al and, and it's the Al Jolson voice. Okay. So if 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 you if you think of, hello, my baby, hello, mm-hmm. my, hello, my ragtime gal, if that makes you think of Al Jolson... Mm-hmm. Then, you know, Al Jolson and the jazz singer and all that is racist. Yeah, because that's blackface. Because that's blackface. But if you think that he's just sort of emulating a black performer, mm-hmm. then maybe not. And then we we've talked about Michigan J. Frog. I've I my theory is that Michigan Michigan J. Frog is a demon. Here we go. A yes. trickster demon. Yes, I remember. You saying so that. I don't find him racist. I just find him deeply unsettling. <laughs> I don't find him unsettling at all. I actually enjoy Michigan. Deeply Gabriel. unsettling. He's not deeply unsettling. He got that dude locked up. Okay. He did. He did get that man uh locked up. And they threw away the key. And then he then he was in the um the, the building foundation for a thousand years. And still alive. And was still alive. Plus talking animal. You got something against talking animals? In a reality where animals don't talk, like it's not like he was in a Bugs Bunny cartoon talking, like that was a whole conceit. Yes, yes, okay. So Christopher, I wouldn't call him racist. I would call him a demon. You would call him a demon. I would call him a demon. I would not call him a demon. Okay. I would call him just, you know. Let me tell you what, if a frog in a top hat appears and starts talking to you, you better run. Well, that's very true. Okay. Keep it moving. (laughs) Exit, stay left. Um, before we get into our review, ladies and gentlemen, I want to give you um, just a little bit of uh, news. Hey, we got swag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got swag. We got all types of funky T-shirts and 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 stickers and stuff like that. Yes, that, we do. That you can buy if you go to our website, Mr. Mis- Michellemission.com, and there's a, a 
uh, a link right there for swag that takes you right to our T Public store where you can check out all of the different and fancy new t shirt designs and gifts that we have available. For it's you. really nice too. My wife actually just bought the sweatshirt. Oh, did she? With our with our um the logo logo on it. And it's so cool because my wife bought a red one. Okay. And then it's like a red background because, you know, our, our, our look, well, obviously, you know, our logo is like gray and white, mm-hmm. but it, the red comes through. Mm-hmm. And T, I love T Public. Yeah. Like, quite, like, that's where I get a lot of my t shirts. So it's a quality, quality stuff, quality right. product. So yeah. I'm not just selling our stuff. Like, I'm, I'm like, it really is nice stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, then, if you do not mind, if I can make a request of you. Yes. If we could have a picture. Done. So that we can put it down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That would be great. Absolutely. And if you are one of the people that are out there that um, purchased something from our store, please send us the pictures. So yeah. We can put it on our oh, Instagram. Yeah. yeah. You know, because kudos to you. The new designs, the, the, the decade designs are fantastic. Oh, I thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I, I, it, it took me. It took everything within me to to do our one for, I believe, the 90s, because it's, it's using a particular actor who I'm not that great a big of a fan of. Yes. But he works on a shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. I liked it. And the 70s one is banging. Yeah. So. Go out and buy some stuff. Buy, buy it. Yeah. Buy it, please. Because that helps. Trust me. That helps support the show. It does help support the show. Yes. It's, that stuff costs money. All right. Um. We've been away from a long, t- a long time. I want to thank all of you who have been keeping the Michelle Mission Facebook group popping with all of your, your dro- dropping, um, you know, news items yeah, oh, yeah. our way and have questions and starting conversations with, with one another. We were, we, you know, we've been away for like almost three weeks, so we don't have time to go through all of that. But I just want to let you know that. You know, as you probably see, me and Vince pop in every once in a while on air. Yeah, um, yeah, and we love the conversation we so do keep it moving and all yes. the people that have joined over the over the year and just keep telling a friend invite them to build this community um and it really is a community and it, it is i'm so grateful absolutely for each and absolutely all right. absolutely as we continue our march to 200 as we continue our march to 200 all right let's get into our review today yeah we can because it's time to do the work we haven't even announced what we're reviewing. I know. I, I know. I just realized that. I know. I know. I know. We're, we're, it's time to do the work. Let's talk about 1973's Black Caesar. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Support Black Podcast, Beat Society. Now, an avenue that showcases producers and their creative works as an artist. Beat Society, the podcast. Since 2001, the original showcase dedicated to the fine art of beat making. Check out the Beat Society podcast, updating every Tuesday on BeatSociety.com and wherever you find podcasts. Get involved. Get into it. And remember, support Black Podcasts. started in the streets, ready to do anything for a payoff, no matter what it cost.
became an overlord of the underworld with every trick in the book. You forget, huh? You make fools of your people. You shame them. They kill you. <laughs> you do this to me after I gave you a chance. Who else am I going to do it to, huh? Fred Williamson, in the private war of an angry man, whose hate was spelled out in the blood of his enemies, his violence, and the curses of his women. Now, let's take a look at Hob. You tell me, who's going to control these people? It's a jungle. It takes a jungle bunny to run it. Black Caesar. Every mob organization in town is out to get him. Black Caesar. A 1973 American International. There we go. Black exploitation crime film drama starring Fred Williamson, Gloria Hendry, and Julius Harris. Written and directed by Larry Cohen, it is a remake, although I would say a loose remake. Very much. Of the 1931 film Little Caesar, charting the rise of a local gangster in Harlem named Tommy as he goes up against the mob, rises through the ranks of crime, and eventually faces the consequences of his life. Written and directed by Larry Cohen, starring Fred Williamson, and featuring almost as a co-star, a musical score and soundtrack by James Brown. 1973's Black Caesar was the choice of Lynn Webb on our very first show in 2020. <laughs> what say you, Lynn, of Black Caesar? Well, before I talk about Black Caesar, let me talk about its star, Fred Williamson. Okay. Um, because he is a man of renown, especially for this period of film in mm -hmm. the 70s. Yeah. Um, and I believe this is our first leading role, maybe even the first time he showed up. I was about up to say, I don't know if Fred Williamson has shown up on the mission. Been mentioned tons of times. Yeah, oh yeah. First time here. And he, it's, um, and that's telling, or because he's a very imposing figure. Yes. Fred Williamson is a man. Question: Was he was also a football player, right? Former football okay. player with the um, both the National Football League and at the time in the sixties there, there was also the American Football League. So he played. That's where he made most of his fame. Okay. Um, and then when the two leagues combined, uh, he he played in the NFL for a little bit of time. He was a defensive back, I believe, and he was known for. Uh, that's where he got his nickname, The Hammer. Okay. Because he used to just smack the hell out of the uh, out of the opposition. Okay. And he was known for using his his arm, his, his very substantial arm. Yes. As as literally a roadblock to impede you from going any further on the football field. Okay. He was quite adept at it. Um, he famously. Uh, in the in uh, one game in a football game in the uh, which was it where was this was it um, oh my god where was it oh yes in Super Bowl number one he played in Super Bowl number one against the Green Bay Packers um, he was playing for the Kansas City Chiefs I believe and he famously um, predicted that their starting receivers he would knock them both out of the game. Okay. With his hammer. Okay. Okay. Um, however, in an ironic, ironic fashion, it was Green Bay that broke the hammer. Oh, no. As Fred Williamson himself was knocked out of the game. Oh. In, in route to the Chiefs' 35-10 to 10, um, defeat at oh. the hands of the Green Bay Packers. So, yeah, he's the... Uh, but... 
that notwithstanding, then you see, I let you do the sport. You, you get got sports talk. Like I, I had got to get the, it out of the way. Sports talk. All right. All right. But that notwithstanding, that pretty much within a year or two, he was on his way to retiring from football. Okay. And following in James Brown's footsteps. Jim Brown. Jim Brown's yes. footsteps, excuse me. Into motion pictures. Yes. Where it um it should be said that it, it he met with pretty good re, uh rapid success. Oh, absolutely. Because he is an imposing figure. He was a very handsome man. Mm-hmm. Um he did uh have a, a presence mm-hmm. that that and the magnetism that came across screens. Uh and he was soon cast in Hammer, you know, right. taking his nickname and it was about a little on the nose, but it works. And it basically was your typical black exploitation movie and it became the the, the you know against the man, you know, right. and him mostly being like this physical presence in the movie. And that became like his his stock and trade for pretty much the rest of the 70s. Oh, no doubt. But that is then soon followed up with Black Caesar. Right. Which is a film that if you look at it and you see Fred Williamson strutting through Harlem. Pay the cost to be the boss. Paying the cost to be the boss. Like, dripped in this suit. We talked about Jim Brown in his suit before. I I had not seen Fred Williamson in a suit. I know. And you see Fred Williamson walking through Harlem in his suit. Oh, my. His cigar and his hat. Oh, my goodness. Man, that is, that's a man. Yeah, that that's a man right that, there. That, that's that's the boss. That is Black Caesar. Yeah, walking the streets of Harlem. You would think watching this that oh my God, he has got the perfect vehicle. This is this is built for him. Mm-hmm. Until you learn the backstory of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to foreground this, <laughs> and you realize. Oh, we're just lucky we got Fred Williams. <laughs> you thought you were living in the darkest timeline. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but there is a timeline. <laughs> there was a timeline. Where? Where Black Caesar <laughs> was going to star Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> Pay the cost to be the boss, man. <laughs> Matt and babe. Hey, babe, I'm <laughs> the boss. <laughs> It's the boss, babe. Hey, babe, I want the blocks from 100 <laughs> to 106. You'll get your cut, baby. That's that is terrible and disrespectful. Little five foot three Sammy Davis. Jr. Yes, this film was written for him. Yes, and only because he could not. Come up with the ten thousand dollars. Yeah, he'd already he, he to was, pay for the treatment. He was always in tax trouble <laughs> because of his tax trouble. He was all, I mean, that's the truth. He was always in tax trouble. There, but for the sake of God, yeah, <laughs> would have went Sammy David Jr. and Black Caesar. Now, I'm, I mean, but in 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 everyone's defense, it was a remake of Little Caesar, which mm-hmm. starred. Um, Jim, James Cagney. James Cagney. And, and, yes, and, and James it, Cagney was a little guy. I mean, that was part of the conceit. The conceit the was film. that that, that Little Caesar little was guy. a little guy. Right. James Cagney was a little guy. So you you and Sammy Davis Jr. are looking for something to, to take him out underneath the, you know, the shadow of Fred, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. Right. You know, was looking for a film though in which he could kind of like be like, you know, the big guy. Right. Um, so that was the whole reasoning behind that. The difference is, is that while James Cagney was a a little man. James Cagney was a a little stocky man, right? So, whereas he's small in in stature, he was not small in his in his physique, right? Sammy Davis Jr. is short and skinny. Yeah, he's not slim. I just assume he was just going to be shooting people a lot. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't know how much he was going to be punching people in the face. Although he was wiry. Mm. He probably hit you like nine times real quick before you even realize you're in a fight. 
Like I he think, one of them dudes. I think he hit you nine times real quick before you realize you've been hit. Oh. Sammy Davis didn't look like oh. he was he was throwing no mighty blows. You know. But in this film. But in this film. So they're lucky and they get Fred Williamson. Right. And man, this is man off from heaven because he is he is built for this role in this movie. Um the movie starts with a and it it's interesting that this movie starts in 1953. Mm-hmm. Harlem in 1953 because it's a young Fred Williamson and you find out that he's pretty much been while well, he's a shoe shine guy he's working working out a deal with some gangster guy to take out some cop right um and there's something about there's something about the way it's shot there's something about the way this film is shot that I'm like Oh, I think we might be in for something here. Like, mm-hmm. there's some interesting angles taken with mm-hmm. the cinematography oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and things like that. You know, this is not, this is not, you know, some uh, like gorilla. Well, this is not like like a cheap film. Like, right. it looks like they're Larry Cohen, the director, has got like a little. It's got some some hobby ties. Yeah, some yeah, hobby yeah, ties yeah. Him, I mean, right? yeah. Larry Cohen was a. Yeah. Was was an actual working director like this was a director? Yeah, and so. I was so I, I was feel I'm feeling that right, mm-hmm. right from the beginning, right? And and that's that's buying me into this whole scheme. And I'm like, all right, and now we're going to go fast forward like 12, 15 years after um, Fred Williamson as a kid does have to get thrown into into jail, but then uh, basically coming out. And has this plan that he's going to become like the big boss of Harlem, right? And then he enacts this plan, um, basically like taking out people left and right, taking all the pe- out the people that wronged him, um, taking out like all of the gangsters, like that are running get Harlem at that point, so that he can just rule Harlem by his own fist, right? Okay, and that at the end of the day is really the story, and you oh, yeah, know no that doubt. going in. Um, and I feel Fred Williamson once he comes into this movie but for some reason not soon after a little bit of the energy is lost mm-hmm. for me Okay, Fred Williamson I talk about his, 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 he's an imposing figure but as an actor I find him Wanting to say the least. Okay, I don't feel like he comes across, gets a line across. I think he he thinks he's getting a line across. I think mm-hmm. he's very deliberate in his in his delivery, but I don't think he he doesn't sell a line at all. Okay, to me, um, and he also he feels like somebody who's like pretty much acting. Based on his instinct, I don't think there's any type of formal training that he's no, no, not to, at all to bear here. Um, but neither do I think that there's any type of insight into the craft of acting. Sure, being brought into this um, as as opposed to what I see every time I see Jim Brown on screen. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, another person pretty much going on by his instinct, but there's also an insight. There's also and with Jim Brown, you see a little bit of a progression in his in his acting. Right. Fred Williamson, this reads very much like this is his first acting role. Right. Which is why I was surprised that Hammer came out first. Right. Because he seems so fresh as an actor. I was like, well, I want to give him a pass as his first acting. Not only is this not his first feature film because he had Hammer on there, but he had also, as a football player, had parlayed himself into supporting roles on television. Yeah, Fred and, Williamson was around. Yeah, including yeah. a a reoccurring role on Diane Carroll's Julia. That's right. As her boyfriend. That's right. Um, which he a, a role that he kind of like crafted for himself yeah. because he told the producers that people were upset that you know Julia was bouncing around from boyfriend to boyfriend every week. That's right. She needs to be locked down on somebody, and I'm that guy. And yeah. he became that guy for a few weeks on Julia. Yeah, you know. So he's been in this spec in this sphere. Mm-hmm. So with that background, I can't give him as much of a pass acting wise 
in this movie because while this movie is it's no great shakes it's not Shakespeare it's not Othello that he's asked to read right he is asked to carry a lot of this film absolutely and, and I think that acting wise he pulls the the movie down a little bit for me don't get me wrong you know like your girl Gloria Hendry is in here she's yes, not Lord. asked to do much her and her arms. <laughs> I noticed that too. Said, Woman's oh, got guns. I said, all right, um, she and she's not asked to do much, but she's she's trying. Right, she's trying. Look who shows up, uh, Derville Martin, <laughs> <laughs> who is is besides Julius Lester the acting powerhouse of the film. He is every time he's on screen. It's like, hey, it's Derville Martin. Mm-hmm. This is about to pop a little bit. It's about to pop, unless you think that. Wesley Snipes' portrayal <laughs> of Derville Martin may have been Wesley, like you know, like oh Wesley's just he is is his own movie, right? No, yeah, oh yeah, that's Derville, oh yeah. And if, oh, you, yeah. if you doubt it, watch Black Caesar, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> because the scene where he is praying over Fred Williamson, oh my <laughs> Jesus, Lynn, Lynn. <laughs> I was actually writing something down. I had to look up and make sure I was still watching the same movie. Same movie, movie, right? I said, the funny thing, (laughs) here's what's hilarious. So Fred Williamson gets shot. I mean, Tommy, you know, his character Tommy is shot. It's towards the end of the film. Mm. And it really is like, like, because I'll say what I think the real issue is with Fred Williamson in this film in a moment. I know you're not finished, but just set it up for them. And, and, And Larry Cohen in the script have really situated this almost Shakespearean fall mm-hmm. for him. Right, right. You know, there's this great ironic use of pay the cost to be the boss that they use three times, that they yes. use, that is fantastic. And and he has stumbled into where Dervo Martin is, and it really is, at this point, Tommy has lost everything. everything. And, and the film is is does have this melancholy tone to it where mm-hmm. you've seen this man gain the whole world and lost his soul and lost everything and then Durville Martin goes into this high camp <laughs> praying over his wounds because Durville Martin is a hustler and a con man who's been pretending to be a preacher the whole yes, film right. but somehow he starts to take it seriously Mm-hmm. All right, so go ahead, Derville yeah, Martin. Derville, uh, oh, <laughs> it is hilarious. Best scene in the movie. Because oh, my final point: if you look at Fred Williamson in that scene, Fred Williamson doesn't know what's happening. He either. doesn't know what to do. Because <laughs> Fred Williamson, he's like, "What the hell is happening right now?" Because Fred Williamson, at times, it almost seems like Fred Williamson is like trying to get a line in. It's like, all right, maybe that's enough. <laughs> but Jesus, my brother. Oh my God, it is so funny. Because <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. Nowhere. And Fred, like you said, Fred Williamson is sat there, sitting there with a gut shot. With a gut shot. He's bleeding out. Yes. <laughs> so he's like, and then in no time, is he like, let's get him to the doctor. No. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you see the buckets of blood, oh. Jesus? <laughs> it is hilarious. Oh my God, man. That the best scene in the movie, um, but yeah, you're right. The, the The story does, you know, it's it's it's, it's a, like I said, it's a story as old as time. He's, yeah. he's he, he, the rise and the fall of this character, but it just Fred Williamson just doesn't. He's he's not there. Everybody else is leaning into their roles. They're just all right, we're here, we're gonna do it. Glory Injury, Dor Devil Martin, Julius Harris is uh good in this film. Um but Fred Williamson just really is he is just the stick in the mud here that just won't l- let it all come together mm-hmm. for me. And as much as I wanted to love this movie, as much as like you said, 
James Brown's score for this movie is damn near another character in here. You're Bananas. sitting here, you're 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 listening Bananas. to the music, and then you're also wondering like, oh my god, that's Das Effects. Oh my god, that's I, Prodigy. I, I was, oh my god, I was that's Public Enemy. Say, you know, it's, it's 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 like the raw material. Yes, for hip hop, exactly between 1988 and 1992. Right. Right, so you like you, just this film, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. And, and and so you you want the movie to at least match the energy of that music, yeah, oh yeah, and it does try to at times, yeah, but Fred Williamson just doesn't make it all come together, and and that was a disappointment for me. I got yeah, I got to say, I think I, I I agree with you, I agree with you, but but I think the 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 irony is that. This is a film that, in a lot of ways, was almost too good for its own good. Okay, okay. Like, like I think yeah. Larry Cohen came at this, and and you, as you said, it was commissioned by Sammy Davis Jr. and and the I, I think the ecosystem of black exploitation was still shaking out. Yes, because it's very because it's 1973. It's still early. It's after Shaft. It's after Superfly. But this this kind of almost grindhouse mm-hmm. default that you got with black exploitation hadn't really hit, and Larry Cohen took this very seriously. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good script. I think it is shot competently for the vast majority of the film. Yes, but then there are sequences that are really good, very good. His assad the assassination attempt. On Tommy at mm-hmm. the end, I love the way the film ends with the kids falling in on him, yeah, stealing his clothes and stealing everything. The scene where he's throwing the clothes out of the apartment, well, sh- that yeah. you know, just it, it's just really well shot at moments, and then it's competent throughout. Mm-hmm. I think the moments that that we've talked about, where where Fred Williamson is adorned in the suits and and he's the cock of the walk and 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 it, i mean he is this presence yes but this is a film that has moments that are quieter moments and i agree with you he just can't hit them yeah he just can't hit them and and uh, like you said it's not shakespeare but it's a little bit more than three the hard way mm-hmm. or hammer which i think he's much more comfortable in that speed and in a lot of ways it's Jim Brown's fault because I think people assume again I don't look I don't we we joked about I don't think Jim Brown was a fantastic actor right but I think Jim Brown could move more than Fred Williams Williamson could as an actor I, I actually I actually still love this film like I think this is still a great black exploitation film, mm-hmm. and in that you can kind of give yourself to it. It's 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 pure escapism. Yes, you know it's pure escapism. Like there's this it's it's this moment in time where so many of these films wanted to position black people and black men in particular as as being able to take down the mob. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much of of black. Black people taking down the Italian mob, and, and you know, and they play like the Sicilian kind of the faux Godfather, the, right? Movie. The faux Godfather music, and then it turns into the James Brown music because yes. they've taken them down. I think this is a much more complicated and nuanced character. I do than too. Fred Williamson is able to pull is off. able to pull off like, like, like he's a rapist. Yeah. You know, he's an on-screen rapist. Yeah. He's 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 a murderer. Mm-hmm. He's a bit of a monster. But but I think the film does a the, the script does a good job showing how he's lashing out. Mm-hmm. There's the 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 extended sequence in the beginning, which I said, ooh, Tommy gets an origin story, where you get like almost 10 minutes of him as a kid. Yeah. But it pays off so much as the film goes on because, again, you realize that that all he wants is revenge, that he's just filled with rage. That's all it is. That he's just lashing out. Julius Lester, Julius um, Harris, Julius Harris actually put in my notes, 
he 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 brings much more class and dignity to this film than it deserves. Than it deserves. Yes. Gloria Hendry, you're right. She doesn't get to do much at all, especially knowing how vibrant and how charismatic she can be. Mm-hmm. And and we've seen her in films yeah. be vibrant and charismatic. Derville Martin is a hoot. Yes. Derville Martin is an absolute hoot. And every minute he is on screen, I I, I agree with it. Like the 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 movie pops. Mm-hmm. The movie actually pops. But I think it drags much like you, not because of the script, not because of the direction, but because who you have in the lead, once you get past his physical attributes, once you get past his magnetism, once you get past his charisma, because I think Fred Williamson is pretty charismatic. Mm -hmm. He just can't, Mm -hmm. he just can't carry it to the point to match the, the dare I say thoughtfulness of a lot of this story. But again, regardless of all that, and, and certainly we have talked about films where the weakest character is, is, the is the lead. So much else in this film works. And, and again, we, we, we've said it, but let's just say it again. James Brown's soundtrack for this thing. Like you and I went back, uh, went back and forth a little bit about the use of the Superfly soundtrack, mm-hmm. and I must begrudgingly admit I've watched Superfly since our episode, and and I think the music works so well on its own that you don't see how it matches with the film, and I kind of agree with you. Okay, but Larry Cohen uses this soundtrack, yeah, like 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 a sword, yeah, like a sword, and like I said, the the juxtaposition of Pay the cost to be the boss at the beginning mm-hmm. with the end is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And then not even, I mean, and that is, you know, something that if you're a hip hop head, you want to hear, you know, the second you hear it, you're like, right. oh my God, you're going to rail off the songs that you hear from it. But th- there are other songs. Um, when when uh, James Brown's song about my mother died. Yeah. Uh, is Is a beautiful song. Yeah. But the way that it is used in the film is so poignant. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't know that this was going to be in this movie. And to be to be honest, I didn't know that James Brown right. had that. Because this is my first time. If, if I had heard this movie, that song before, I don't remember it. Right. So it hit me. I was like, wow, I didn't even know James Brown had that in him. Man. Yeah. That's, I mean, it was just gorgeous. It was touching, you know? Um and and another thing, speaking about Gloria Hendry and specifically the women in this film, I like, and it's probably because this is early in black exploitation. But a couple of things that would I think become cliches of black exploitation. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see that they didn't get their start here. Yes, and one was the rape scene that you're talking about, which. which Let's call it what it is. It was a rape scene. And they call it that in the film, though. Like, yes. this isn't us in 2020 saying right. he raped her. Like, I appreciated that the film stated that he was he raping. Is raping her. Yes. And and what what happened going forward in black exploitation films is that you'd have the guy, you know, ripping at a woman's clothes, taking the woman her protesting, right? But then giving in, exactly. And you don't see that. No, all the way to to the moment that mo- that scene ends, she is violently protesting. Yeah, what is happening? And you don't see her with him again no. after that. No, until later in a controversial way. But even that, even that later scene where she comes back and has sex with him, it's to destroy him. Yes, it's all to be a part of right. taking him down. Right. So even that using, you know, um and then the other scene was when as will typically happen in black exploitation films going forward, the white woman throws right. herself at him. Right. And he just throws her right out. Right. I don't. I don't want to have sex with you. Yeah. No. No. I'm not. I'm not doing that. Not you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. And I appreciate. I actually appreciated that. Um. And I will say, 
that scene where Fred Williamson dismisses of the white woman. Yeah. I think he's good in that scene. I think, again, I think Fred Williamson in his lane works. Fred Williamson is actually my favorite black exploitation actor. And mm. I know that is quite a caveat. Yeah. But I, I think part of it is I think there are there are actors who acted during the black exploitation period that I wouldn't call black exploitation actors. Okay. Fair like enough. I think Fred Williamson in this ecosystem is is fantastic. But I think this is a film ironically that is not a black exploit like at its heart black caesar is not a black exploitation film it's a film okay. like like it's it's like they're, they're they're so like shaft it's almost like shaft got you it's black caesar is almost shaft level mhm and 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 the problem is and i don't think richard roundtree is the world's greatest actor mm-hmm. but i also think that shaft is not as nuanced not of at all. a character not at all as not tommy at all. is not at all shaft is very one note right there's a thoughtfulness and and there are different textures to this character yeah you see his level you see his levels with his parents with his mother with, his, with his father par- right with his father with his relationship with his friend, mm-hmm. uh, Joe, with all of it. Again, this is not somebody whose driving motivation is I have the biggest dick in the room. Right. He is rage. Mm-hmm. He is hurt. He is sad. And I just think, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, obviously Sammy Davis Jr. would have been different. But I, I do think There's Sammy Davis Jr. is a better actor yes. than Fred Williamson. And yes. I would have liked to have seen that aspect mm-hmm. of his Tommy. Right. So Even though I don't know if I would have believed Sammy Davis Jr. taking a shot to the gut and not only living for almost a whole nother day without getting medical treatment, but fighting off two or three other people you, trekking across town. You you got a lot of slick talk about Sammy Davis Jr. You better leave Sammy Davis Jr. alone. Well, it's not so much about Sammy Davis Jr. It's that uh, Tommy takes a gut shot <laughs> right. and there's still 20 minutes of the I, movie. I, I know! <laughs> like, like there was the assassination and I remember looking at my watch going, wait, it's like, a, wait, Maybe there's another attempt. No, this is it. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. And he's... He fights like six dudes. He fights like six dudes. Takes over a taxi. I mean, like... He commandeers a cab. <laughs> All while, like, he forgets which, which leg he's supposed to be limping on. <laughs> That's throughout the movie. Though. I know. <laughs> like, periodically someone says, Hey, man, you're supposed to have a limp. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa!" I could have sworn they shot him in the in the belly. Yeah. I saw blood. Yeah, I mean, he was on death door door uh, step like one scene, and next scene he's hulking out, <laughs> raging against. I'm like, "What?" The? Maybe Derville Martin's prayer worked. You know, <laughs> it was a mighty prayer. Oh Jesus! <laughs> oh Jesus! It was a prayer for the ages. <laughs> you might be right there, Vince. You might be right. Oh, wow. Um, you know, the other way you can tell that this was a film that in a lot of ways did not have the sensibilities of black exploitation is that it does end in 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 an amazing sequence where where the the neighborhood kids fall upon him mm-hmm. and and the implication is that they finish the job yeah and kill him but he dies at the end yeah like he definitively definitively dies at the end now he has a miraculous recovery a year from now when they have the sequel yes <laughs> as is one to have as is one to have he got better like that was quite a prayer <laughs> well we Martin. said but this this is a film with the beginning a middle and an end mm-hmm. it is a complete story it is a tragedy and that that sort of escapism and 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 almost 
I don't even know how I would I would put this, but but the characters always are triumphant at the end of most black exploitation films. Yeah, usually, right. You know, it's funny. I was listening to an old episode getting ready for this because it's quite as it's kept. We haven't done a lot of quote unquote black exploitation. Yeah, but I was listening to Coffee. Okay, and I remember saying on Coffee, the thing I loved about Coffee is at the end her character is is just walking on the beach and she's almost broken. Mm-hmm. So there's no like there's not going to be the the neon yellow letters. Coffee will return, <laughs> right, right, and coffee kicks butt too. And there's no sense whatsoever that this film is setting up Tommy. No. For further adventures. No. And I love that. Well, even just by the title, it's Black Caesar. So, you know, Caesar does take a fall. So you Right, you're, right, right. But um Oh. Oh, and the kids falling upon him is like I I You never saw that correlation? I, I never saw I never thought about that until this exact second. Yeah. It actually is like Caesar. Mm-hmm. Oh, very nice. But see, it's that kind of thing. It's that kind of thing in a black exploitation film. Yeah, but yeah. Th- you could do early on. Yeah, but soon will come Dolomite, <laughs> which was his name. <laughs> which, which was his name? Which was his name? So it's it's weird. So so what are we saying? Well, here's the thing. I say all that I say, and yet I would still recommend people see Black Caesar. Because? Well, because I think that, I think like you said, it is of this block of 70s films, you know, because we can uh, say what we want about it. It's still considered, it's considered a black exploitation film. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so if yeah. you want to I just sort explore of parse and, yeah, you know, split black hairs, exploitation but. films, this is one of the better ones because it is an actual thoughtful film. Yes. Um, Fred Williamson is a important figure in that film movement. Yes. Um, I don't know whether or not this is one of his better films because I haven't seen a lot of his films. I'll just tell you it's one of his better films. Well, there you go. I think arguably this is the best Fred Williamson film. There you go. Um, it always pays to good to see Gloria Hendry because she is a, an mm. actor of, of skill. Like but, Gloria Hendry. Um, you know, select credits. Let's put it that way. Yeah, she don't do much. But. Um, and hey. Bill Martin. <laughs> He's the real MVP. He's the MVP. He's the reason why you 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 fire this one up on the uh on the old streamer. So yeah, I would recommend Black Caesar. Yeah, I love Black Caesar. Like I I I love Black Black Caesar is in my and I'm and quite honestly, I'm being conservative with what I'm about to say. It's in my top 5 black exploitation films. And oh, it well, might not hard. I mean, for me, I love black exploitation. Oh, yeah, you love them all. So yeah, like okay. I actually love these films, and and I love Black Caesar. Everything that you just said about the actors, uh, Julius Les Julius Harris. Harris, yeah, Julius Harris. It's funny because I think as the seventies go on, mm-hmm. Julius Harris becomes more of a heavy. Yes, and I have to say, just since we've been doing this. Between nothing but a man and and looking at his performance in this film mm-hmm. as his performance, I think there's a thoughtfulness to Julius Harris's acting that gets lost as yeah. the 70s go on. You're right. You're absolutely. He definitely gets like um, typecast. So I like him in this. I would say all jokes aside is if it's worth it to see Julius Harris in this. Yeah, because you're probably, you're right, because probably most people, when you see the face, you'll know him, but you won't have seen him like this. Right, because he's playing a heavy. Yeah. I like Minnie Gentry. Minnie Gentry in this. She's, she's in, I think she's in one scene oh. playing his mother. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I like her in this. Again, I think... I think this is yeah. That you know what you're right. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah, that scene where she's talking about being a maid. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a solid movie that could have been a 
good movie, full mm-hmm. stop. And because of the limitations of Fred Williamson's acting ability, it never transcends into yeah. good movie. But regardless, it's still a solid. I think this is a solid movie. Yeah. I think this is a good use of an hour, 35, 40 minutes. I would have loved to see this movie remade as opposed to Superfly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, don't even don't even start me down this road. Yeah. Because there's so many of these young brothers mm-hmm. that I think could, really could crush murder this role. Crush this role, man. Like Keith Stanfield. Mm-hmm. Um um uh I, I mean Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, Chadwick. Uh uh like 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 I want to say Yahya Abdul-Mateen, but I'm still... Yahya Abdul-Mateen. I mean, that's because I'm just still awestruck by Watchmen. Yeah, but he would he would destroy this. Like, there are actors now that would destroy... I mean, he's a little older now, but you know, I'm still on a Bokeem Woodbine high from, um, from Queen and Slim. Like I say, he's a little older at this point. Yeah. And I think this is a young man's role. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I, I and then again, per our earlier conversation about Superfly, appropriately enough, this may be the best use of an entire soundtrack mm-hmm. that I can think of. Like nothing is better than Richard Roundtree crossing the busy street with Shaft playing. Mm-hmm. Like that's the platonic ideal. But for an entire score, an entire soundtrack, I think Black Caesar is is amazing. So yeah, I would absolutely recommend Black Caesar. I absolutely. Ju- I just found the per- remaking Black Caesar. Okay. Okay. Black Caesar being remade, we need somebody in the Fred Williamson role. Yes. I got it. Winston Duke. From us. Winston Duke would be good. I thought you were gonna say Jaleel White. I thought maybe you were gonna go with Jaleel White. Jaleel White could play the Derville Martin. Maybe role. Jaleel White. As Derville Martin. As Derville Martin's role. That would be good. Yeah. 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 So so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm again I'm a big fan of this film. All right. So Black Caesar. Go but- see it. Before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing next week, ladies and gentlemen, I invite you all to become one with our Facebook group, The Me Show Mission, where yes. we have a lot of fun with our missionaries. Um, and if you have any thoughts and concerns and what up, whatnots, email us at mission at gmail.com. Our show is available as a radio show in an edited form every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM, People Power Media, Philly Cam, here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, 106.5 FM. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday at 9 a.m. On WKDU 91.7, the voice of Drexel University. The Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network of curated podcasts for your earbuds. Check them out at thepodglomerate.com. And our show is available on all the podcatchers of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Overcast, Google Play, you name it, we're there. When you check us out, please give us a five-star rating and a review because that really helps people find our show. It really does. So we appreciate that love from you. Thank you very much. Okie dokie. As we continue on our March 2, 200, Vince, what is next up on the mission? Well, I've had this film on my mind for a long time. And I just was thinking of of a way to bring it in. And I think this this episode where we talked about coulda, woulda, mighta, shoulda, maybe not shoulda, could have been casting of Sammy Davis Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to ha- talk about a film starring Sammy Davis Jr. Okay. From, from a decade or so before this. Not quite a decade. What year is it? About six, seven years before this, with another stellar cast, Jeanette Dubois, Lola Falana, Johnny Brown, 
Cicely Tyson, Ozzy mm. Davis, and a vast array of jazz performers. What's this called? Black Hollywood, the movie? Including Louis Armstrong. I am, of course, talking about 1966, A Man Called Adam. Oh, wow. I've always heard of this movie and yeah. I've never seen it. I think I may have seen it. The funny thing is, reading it, I may be mixing it up with Paris Blues. But we'll uh, talk about that next week. A Man Called Adam. 1966, Sammy A Man Called Adam. Davis starring Sammy Jr. Davis Jr. and Cicely Tyson. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. I'm not used to you dipping into the Wayback Machine. Oh, yeah. I, I class up this joint. <laughs> class up this joint a little bit. Changing up for 2020. How you like that? Yeah. This is a, shoot, I was waiting for, like, you know, what hip-hop movie. No, no, now? no. And then after that, I'm going to pick, like, Slophouse Blues from 1931. Please, no, you're not. I know that's not happening. Starring Melvin Hawthorne and <laughs> Floppy Jones. Right. Yeah. Right. That'll be followed up by Song of the South. Um, <laughs> until then, ladies and gentlemen. So next week, a man called Adam here on the Michelle Mission. Until then, he's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.